When the images from the Webb telescope were first released, showing thousands upon thousands of stars and planets, it was hard not to look up and wonder just how many other civilizations are out there. But if there's so much life in the universe, why haven't we met any yet? Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast from wherever you're listening on this planet or otherwise. If you're a bit of a space cadet like myself, have a scroll back through the feed for our episode on the space junk that's gumming up our atmosphere and making travel a lot more difficult. It's a really good one from a couple of weeks ago. On this podcast, I'm going to run through some of the main theories about why we haven't met alien life yet. And it's it's by no means a complete list. I want to say that at the start because we would need hours upon hours for that. And if you're thinking, ah, but Sean, we have met alien life. Janice in accounts has to be an alien. Look at the head on her. Explain crop fields to me. Or what about Roswell? Well, New Mexico is where our story starts. Before you leave office, will you let us know if there's aliens? Because this is the only thing I really want to know. I, I want to know what's going on. Would you ever open up Roswell and let us know what's really going on there? So many people ask me that question. I know, yeah. it sounds almost ridiculous, no, but it's actually sense. the real question. It sounds I want like to know. a cute question, but it's actually, there are millions and millions of people that want to go there, that want to see it. I won't talk to you about what I know about it, but it's very interesting. But Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. So you're saying you may declassify? Oh. You'll, you'll, you'll take it? Well, I'll, I'll have to think about that one, right? Uh, I'll have oh. to think. The Los Alamos National Laboratory was set up during World War II to design nuclear weapons. And in 1950, physicist Enrico Fermi was having lunch with some of his co-workers when the talk turned to aliens. And as they debated whether or not they actually existed, Fermi butted in saying... If they truly are out there, where is everybody? Over his sandwich, or whatever he was having that day as a break from working on the bomb, he created the Fermi Paradox, something which still puzzles scientists today. The basic paradox is that given the universe is estimated to be 14 billion years old, and that our Milky Way galaxy alone has at least 100 billion planets, that's 100,000 million for context, There must be other intelligent life out there. But if there is, why haven't we heard from them? There seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah! Ah! Whoa! Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Did I frighten you? Didn't mean to. Sorry, howdy. The first possibility, space is big. Like, really big. It's hard to say exactly how big, and of course the universe is expanding, but it's estimated that the edge of the visible universe is about 46 billion light-years away, which would mean the total diameter of the universe, or at least what we can see of it, is about 92 billion light-years. So it would take something travelling at 300,000 kilometres a second, 92 billion years to cross it. Like I said, big. So finding another race in that space is a literal needle in a 92 billion light year haystack. But surely in all that much space, there must be a lot of life, right? Like when you think that our ancestors have been around for something in the region of 6 million years and modern humans as we know them only about 200,000 years, it's not improbable to think that somewhere in the vast universe in the 14 billion years since it's been created, a race has had the time to develop technology that would allow it to travel much more quickly 
colonize vast parts of the universe and be detectable to us or have made contact with us. But we've got... nothing. One theory that aims to solve the Fermi paradox is while there might be life out there, it might not be that smart. My personal guess is that the intelligence is uh, probably rather scarce in the universe, but we don't know. We really need to find that one out. This is Anders Sandberg from the Future of Humanity Institute at Oxford. It could very well be that the intelligence is so scarce that it's not just that we are alone in our galaxy, but we are alone in the local supercluster that the next intelligence civilization over is literally billions of light years away. So as far as risk is concerned, having few alien civilizations might actually be good news, which sounds a bit paradoxical. The reason is that if we see an empty sky, the explanation might be that intelligence or life is very rare. Or it could be that intelligence is common, but it tends to get wiped out. This is why we are really keen to figure out what the actual reason for a fairly empty sky is. A few years ago, Sandberg and some colleagues released a paper suggesting that not only are we Earthlings likely alone in our Milky Way galaxy, but there's a 50% chance that we're the only intelligent life in our observable universe. This fits in with what's called the rare Earth theory as a solution to the Fermi paradox. The theory posits that there could be other life out there, but not remotely close to human intelligence in the sense of building things, invention, and wanting to explore the universe. Like we share a planet with many smart creatures you may call intelligent life forms. Dolphins, for example, incredibly intelligent. But they're not going to build a spaceship, and maybe it's similar on other planets. But some believers in this theory take a different view, that life isn't actually very likely to have developed out there at all, that the set of circumstances that formed the Earth are exceedingly rare. Take, for example, having a massive planet like Jupiter in the solar system and a large moon. That's a rare combination with both of those deflecting comets and asteroids and other things that might have hit Earth and wiped out life at an earlier stage in other areas. Earth is also in what's known as the Goldilocks zone, just the right distance from the right-sized sun. Our sun isn't too big to burn the planet to a crisp, but not so small that it doesn't give out enough heat for life, or close enough to be warm without being far enough away that the cold vacuum of space kills us off. The perfect distance for an atmosphere to form and water to be liquid, both things that we assume life needs. Add in things like an extinction event which wiped out the dinosaurs who would have preyed on humans, but also didn't eliminate all life or the creatures that humans would evolve from. Put that in the pot with a whole chasm of evolutionary what-ifs, and some people argue maybe we're just a cosmic fluke. A one in a hundred thousand million chance that the right circumstances came together with the right amount of time for evolution. But astrophysicist Charlie Lineweaver reminds us that there are a lot of Earth-like planets out there, and many much older than us. Earth is uh, is relatively young, and about two-thirds of the Earths in the universe are older than the Earth, and the average is about two billion years older than Earth. So the universe is filled with Earths, and when I mean when I say the word Earth, I mean rocky planets of approximately the same size with wet with water on their surfaces. So the Earth, the, the universe is filled with such things and the average age of them is 2 billion years older than our Earth. That's simply the fact that the universe is 13.8 billion years, the sun is 4.5 billion years old. And so there was a period of about 9 or 8 
billion years in which uh, you could have lots, in which you had lots of stars and they had planets around them and some of them are Earth-like and whatever happened there, we don't know yet. <laughs> but we're, we might be about to find out. So if there are actually a lot of Earth-like planets out there, like where are their societies? Another idea called the Great Filter Theory aims to answer that. And it's one of the ones that I find most interesting and also most worrying. This is the idea that there have been loads of intelligent civilizations that have developed over the billions of years and that all of them have hit a certain point in their evolution that they just couldn't get past. That at some point there is a an evolutionary filter that has wiped out all races which have hit it. A glass ceiling of sorts, which would explain why we have no sign, signal, radio waves or really anything from another civilization. And where that gets a little bit scary is wondering if that filter lies in our past or in our future. Was it something at the evolutionary level that humans somehow managed to get past? Or is it still to come or something we will face or are facing? For example, as medical technology gets better, fewer people are dying young, meaning more of a population trying to live on the same resources. Is it possible that populations could have collapsed trying to deal with that or set themselves back to an extent where space travel was no longer a priority or a possibility? Call it the Thanos theory, I suppose, for fans of Marvel. Could it be artificial intelligence gone wrong? Does a more advanced weapon system mean more destructive war and that races annihilated themselves at a certain point. Nuclear winter. Wouldn't it be ironic if the bomb that Fermi worked on was actually the answer to his paradox? It's an assumption that intelligent life is somehow destined to destroy itself. The filter could also be things like mass extinction events. I mean, the dinosaurs were filtered. There have been multiple such extinction filters on Earth and maybe we're the race that got past them or still have to face it. There is climate change. But it presents an interesting possibility. I mean, if the filter is behind us, if it was at some point where we were crawling out of the swamp or, you know, at a much lower level of evolution, the universe could be humanities for the taking. But if it's ahead of us, we could be doomed. Toby Ord is another of the experts from the Future of Humanity Institute, and he reckons we'll find the answer to this theory sooner rather than later. With the detonation of the first atomic bomb, a new age for humanity began. At that moment, our rapidly accelerating technological power finally reached the threshold where we might be able to destroy ourselves. The first point where the threat to humanity from within exceeded that from the natural world a point where the entire future of humanity hangs in the balance, where every advance that our ancestors achieved could be squandered and every advance our descendants could achieve would be denied. These threats to humanity and how we address them define our time. The advent of nuclear weapons posed a real risk of human extinction in the 20th century. With the continued acceleration of technology and without serious effort to protect humanity, there's strong reason to believe that the risk will be higher this century and every century that technological progress continues. And because these anthropogenic risks outstrip all of the natural risks combined, they set the clock on how long humanity has to pull back from the brink. If I'm even roughly right about their scale, then we cannot survive many centuries with risk like this. It's an unsustainable level of risk. 
Thus, one way or another, this new period is unlikely to last more than a few centuries. Either humanity takes control of its destiny and reduces the risk to a sustainable level, or we destroy ourselves. Other theories like the Great Silence Theory suggest that there are actually loads of advanced races out there and that we're just too backwards for them to bother making contact. Their technology is so advanced or operates so differently to ours that we can't detect it. The zoo hypothesis contemplates that aliens have all agreed to have a hands-off approach with us, either because we're a muddy backwater of the galaxy, not worthy, not advanced enough, sort of like Star Trek's prime directive not to interfere with pre-space age planets. The theory goes further to suggest that we might actually be a sort of a cosmic zoo with aliens watching and conducting experiments on us as a race, or keeping us safe, the galaxy's nature preserve. They can see us, but we can't see them. Sort of an intergalactic Truman show. I hereby proclaim this planet Trumania of the Burbank Galaxy. As I said at the start, the list of theories is literally almost endless. It includes that maybe we're the first life in the galaxy and the most advanced, so we can't pick up any trace of other aliens. Maybe other planets are hiding their presence for fear of war. Maybe an intergalactic war did happen and it wiped out all other life or the remnants of it. All right, you alien assholes. We could be looking for the wrong thing, and by focusing on a civilization similar to us, could be missing countless others that are so different that NASA instruments pick up their broadcast as just background noise. Our technology might not even be good enough to find other races yet. Maybe space travel is as difficult for everyone as it is for us, and more futuristic races simply gave up to focus their resources elsewhere. Perhaps aliens don't share our fascination with the universe around them and are quite content on whatever planet they're on. There is one theory that there could be massive planets many, many times the size of Earth where their races are trapped on the planet because the intensity of the mass of the planet makes gravity so much stronger and they literally can't build the technology to escape it. Maybe aliens aren't carbon-based life forms at all and are so different we wouldn't even see one if it was sitting in front of us, a pile of particles instead of a green man with a roundy head. I think the most terrifying for me, though, is the thought aliens simply don't exist. It might be slightly arrogant as a race to even contemplate the fact that we might be the only life forms in a billion, billion stars, but what if we are? What if when we look up, nothing is ever going to look back? How much more important does that make it to ensure that the human race survives? That if we fall to climate change or war or any one of the existential threats to humanity, the last intelligent life in the universe would be snuffed out. Whew, that got fairly heavy towards the end, so you're welcome for the existential crisis the next time you look up at the stars. It does always actually make my daily problems feel quite small when I look up at the sky and think of all the different people that could be out there, maybe are out there, maybe not, who knows. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and please do share it far and wide across the galaxy. If you have, it was researched and presented by myself, Sean Defoe, with John Kill as editor and Lachlan Hart making things sound good. Chat to you next week.